Should abortion be permitted in the case of rape? What about the heartbeat bills? Should those be supported by pro-life activists? You're listening to your radio activist, Mark Harrington, on The Mark Harrington Show. The Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our work by going to createdequal.org. And we come to you today on the National Day of Prayer. It's one day set apart every year to pray for our nation and in capitals all across America. That's what's going on. Christians are coming together and praying for America. And obviously, we support that as well. But, you know, when I thought about this today, I thought, you know what? We need a national day of action, too, uh, and uh, because prayer without action doesn't do any good. you got to do both. There's got to be prayer and action. And I also thought about the passage in Isaiah, that it's Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15, and it made me think about whether God is actually listening to our prayers or not right now. Uh, I mean, that's a difficult thing to try to consider because obviously we want God to hear our prayers, right? But when we think about the shedding of innocent blood and the unabated child killing that America has been experiencing now for 47 years, you got to wonder if God's actually listening. It says in, in, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you, God says. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are covered with blood. I mean, this this is really tough medicine, folks. Uh, The bottom line is this. God doesn't hear our prayers when our hands are covered with blood, and America is covered with the blood of the unborn. Uh, our our sewers are running red with the blood of unborn babies and have been for now 47 years. And if this scripture is true, which we have to believe it is, it's God's word, right? It, it basically says God's not listening to our prayers. That's very, very troubling. In other words, if we don't repent for the shedding of innocent blood, I don't see how God's going to act on our behalf. But anyway, and I hopefully... People around America right now on this National Day of Prayer are praying for repentance and revival and reformation. Because without that, we will not see, see the end to child killing in America. So, folks, let me just start out by saying this. We have a National Day of Prayer. Or, or, I'm sorry, National Day of Action. It's a day of prayer, too, uh, happening on June 13 and 14 here in Columbus. Uh, and if you want to be part of that, you can go to our website. Uh, it's the Day of Action, June 13 and 14. Sign up. Uh, what we do is we take an evening and we uh, really immerse you in pro-life apologetics. And then we take you out on the street, uh, public squares, overpasses, all kinds of places, and, and teach you how to use what we just taught you. So this is the day of action, June 13 and 14. If you want to sign up, go to our website at createdequal.org. So today, what I want to do is talk about the so-called rape exception, if you will, or hard cases when it comes to abortion. And I also want to talk about 
heartbeat bill legislation, which uh, yesterday the uh, state of uh, Texas, the House anyway, passed the uh, HB fifteen fifty. Um, the Senate's already approved it, and this is heartbeat legislation. The governor there has vowed to sign it, and there is heartbeat bill. There are heartbeat bills passing all over the place in America. Here in Ohio, it happened in 2019. Yours truly was a supporter of that. So we're going to try to tackle both of those topics today. And my guest today is Rebecca Kisling, and she uh, is a pro-life speaker, international speaker, travels the globe talking about her story. And um, she's also um, runs the organization Save the One, um, which talks about the issue of rape. So, uh, Rebecca, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Mark. So let's start out with your story, um, Rebecca. Uh, the title of the program I have here is Conceived in Rape, Targeted for Abortion. Uh, if you would go back and tell us, you know, your story and how you got the platform that you have now to go around the con uh, country and the, the globe and talk about your story and about uh, the so-called rape exception. Well, I learned at 18 that I was conceived in rape. At 19, met my birth mother. She told me the horrible details how she'd been abducted at knife point by a serial rapist. Uh, I asked her about abortion, even though she was so happy to meet me. She told me that if abortion had been legal, she would have aborted me, even mm -hmm. if she had to do it all over again. Um, and she just said, you don't know what it was like. It should have been my right. Mm. Uh, I was devastated hearing that. I, I knew that my life had value. And I, I knew at 18 before I met her that I was targeted by society. At 19, I learned that I was targeted by her. And she, in fact, went to two illegal abortions and I was almost aborted. She backed out because it was illegal, because of the Michigan law, which protected me, which, by the way, is still on the books. Wow. So, I mean, she, so she took you in utero to an abortion clinic, to two of them, mm -hmm. and it didn't happen, right? Right. She took me to, to one. Okay. Uh, it was an OBGYN's office. She went in through the back door and she said that there was blood and dirt on the floor on the tables. And as you know, you know, it's like right. many of the legal abortion clinics today, right? Like right. Gosnell. Um, I mean, the people who go into killing babies for a living aren't exactly the most ethical people. No. And uh, the second one, she was to meet someone at night by the Detroit Institute of Arts next to the Thinker statue. And someone would approach her, say her name, blindfold her, take her somewhere, abort me. And they would have to keep her overnight if she was further along than thought or any complications. And she was terrified for her own safety. Uh, expressed concern. The abortion doctor called her stupid and she said, well, forget it. If you're going to call me names, she hung up and he called her back the next morning. It was to be $500. Like, I know how much money was on my head. I know all these 
details of my impending death. Um, and like I said, she made it clear if it had been legal, different circumstances, she absolutely would have aborted me. And so I literally owe my birth to legislators, voters who protected me. So did you ever get to meet your, your birth mother? Yeah. And actually six years How'd later, she changed her mind. Excellent. I mean, she wanted to meet me. She sent me a beautiful letter. And six mm -hmm. years after we met, she changed her mind about abortion. And now decades later, we have a great mother-daughter relationship. And she's so thankful that she has me. Out of all of three, her three children, I'm actually the only one who has a relationship with her. You know, I honor her and I bring her healing. What a what a story of hope and the power of Jesus Christ to heal relationships. <laughs> and you're a testimony uh, to God's grace. And we're just so thankful for you and your, you know, your voice out there speaking for the unborn. Uh, my guest again is Rebecca Kisling. And, and Rebecca, which website do we want to send people to? Save the one or your uh, Rebecca Kisling.com? Which one? Um, either Rebecca Kisling.com or, and it's K I E S S L I N G, or save the one. And that's the number one, not the word one. Right. So, folks, listen, I mean, she's a, she's a speaker. She travels the country and the world and you can book her now. Now that uh, COVID hopefully is loosening uh, around the country, you can book her as a speaker at your crisis pregnancy banquet, right to life banquet or any other type of event. Uh, you can just go to Rebecca and book her uh, to speak. Uh, Rebecca, or Zoom let's, events, Zoom events, or are Zoom fine. events, which are still yeah. happening, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a good replacement for the for the in person stuff, but it doesn't. It's not going to last, hopefully. Uh, so, Rebecca, let's jump right in. I mean, your story is a story of uh, hope, and it's also a a powerful story of you know. We talk about the so called rape exception. You're not an exception. Right. I mean, you're a human being just like anybody else. And when people talk about the rape exception, even pro-lifers do this. Right. It dehumanizes the unborn, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's demoralizing. Um, How do you react when someone brings up the rape exception? Well, I mean, of course, I try to change hearts and minds. I understand that they want to show care for rape victims, and I'm glad that they care about pregnant rape victims. But mm -hmm. I have to educate them that, um, first of all, show the humanity of the child. I did not deserve the death penalty for the crime of my biological father. Sometimes I, I'll ask people, you know, so let me ask you, would you support a law which would allow rape victims to pay someone to kill her rapist? or just her innocent child. I mean, cause that's, that's what abortion clinics are there. I mean, they're paid assassins. It's like hiring a hitman. And can you imagine today's, in today's me too movement, you know, day and age, uh, if you Mark could be put to death, that if it were legal for a woman to just say she was raped and be allowed to hire someone to have you killed. I mean, right. <laughs> you know, who would want that? But that's exactly what happens with abortion. 
Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court said in Coker v. Georgia that rapists don't deserve the death penalty. And in the second case of Kennedy v. Louisiana, they said that even for child molesters, it's cruel and unusual punishment. So how does the innocent child deserve the death penalty for his crime? So, Rebecca, let's get into a couple of these hard cases. Let's deal with the rapes uh, situation or issue, if you will. Uh, you know, Judith Jarvis Thompson uh, made famous this defense of abortion. She wrote a book uh, about the unconscious violinist. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you're very familiar with the argument, but we hear it on college campuses even today. Mm -hmm. And basically it's this. I mean, and it, it's, it's had legs for almost 50 years still being used as an argument to support abortion. It's basically this. You wake up in a hospital. You're hooked up to, and it's a hypothetical, obviously, you're hooked up to a famous unconscious violinist and whose kidneys are failing, but your kidneys match up and you're, you're able to be hooked up to this person. Uh, and the question is, would you be, uh, would it be right, be okay to unplug this unconscious violinist leading to their death? That's the argument they use. Uh, it's still being used today. How do you respond to that? I don't know if you realized this when you asked me this question, but I actually wrote a 43-page essay, The Right of the what? Unborn Child Not to be Unjustly Killed, a Philosophy of Rights Approach. And it was ranked number one on Google for decades. Well, and actually, I was reading portions of it this morning. Mr. Producer, you can probably, it's on your website, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. You might want to find so I, I've I've written about this. Um, you know, when you're balancing rights and interests, you know, for, first of all, um, she also talks about whether there's an inv invitation, like, did you invite somebody because you left a window right. open? Can it be said that you invited them to rob your home? You know, it was a constructive invitation just because you have a womb, you're constructively inviting someone to rape you um, because you have this kidney. Did you constructively in invite them to, you know, utilize your kidney? Uh, and I explained how rights and duties have nothing to do with invitations. Like the um, safe harbor doctrine says that if you have, uh, if you're on a, if you have a safe harbor and you have a dock and there's a ship where in a storm they need, out of necessity, they need to dock in your safe harbor and thereby end up destroying your dock. It's not that you constructively invited them. Um, it's not that uh, there was an invitation for them to exercise their right, but you still have a duty to allow this um, because life is most important that we value human life, protecting human life. Um, so you don't have to have an invitation for there to be a, a corresponding right. Um, so that's really important. And, you know, I think that um, when balancing rights and interests, you you have to look at reality. You know, she, she said, what if it was a nine-year pregnancy? Well, we're not dealing with nine-year pregnancies. We're dealing with a temporary issue. Right. You know, typically it's seven months from the time she finds out she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when most abortions are done, right? At two months. You right. know, so you're talking about seven months. Um, 
And, you know, it's interesting that she, you know, she picks an unconscious violinist because, you know, I think that she's making some assumptions like that he's male and he's stuffy and pompous and he's rich and, you know, you know, privileged and um, maybe even sounds boring. I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, why did she pick that? Uh, right. Well, the argument definitely falls <laughs> apart when it's, you know, a consensual act that you're uh, male and female, are con they're consenting to sex. And if you do that, you run the risk of being pregnant, getting pregnant. So it kind of falls apart almost entirely from the start, but it is still used often. Uh, so as an attorney, which you are also, in fact, that was, I mean, you, where did you go to law school, by the way? I'm, I'm curious. I went to Wayne State okay. and, and I'm glad that I had my professor, my constitutional law professor, Sedler, actually helped legalize abortion in Kentucky, which was uh, one of the early states to legalize abortion. <clears throat> and I'm really glad that I went there and I, because um, I spoke up and I challenged my professors regularly. I got hissed at in class. I didn't care. It made me who I am today. Amen. Well, as a, uh, an attorney, uh, you deal with this legislation all the time. Thankfully, rape exceptions are no longer that common in pro-life legislation. We finally got past that, but we still see it here and there. Uh, I don't. I don't even know if this Texas statute actually has it in there or not, or the uh, the, the uh, bill has it in there or not. But I wanted to ask you about the heartbeat bills. Uh, you know, those are now several of them. I don't know. We're up to maybe fifteen of them. I think possibly have passed state legislatures in America. You know, in 2019, it happened here in Ohio. And you're a no exceptions, no compromise, personhood uh, supporter like myself. Mm -hmm. But I supported the Harvey bill and I still support him today. Uh, you wrote a piece about this. You also went online and supported it. Do you still support heartbeat bills as a yeah. no compromise, no exceptions, pro-life advocate? And why, if you do? Yeah, absolutely. And personhood. Uh, I've supported personhood from the beginning. I was part of the first personhood petition drive here in Michigan in 2006. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wrote about personhood in my philosophical abortion essay when I was in law school. Um, but I also support the heartbeat bill. Uh, and the way that I came on board with it is that um, I was asked, look, would you support a total abortion ban? Like, of course. of course. Well, then that, you know, by the argument of some people within the personhood camp, they, by implication, then you're leaving out embryos. You're leaving out all ex-utero unborn children, you know, and then I've had some personhood people say, well, then I, I it's got to be personhood from conception or nothing. And then I say, would you support a personhood measure in um, your state? And they said, yeah. I said, well, then by implication, you're leaving out all the other 49 states, you know, because there is mm -hmm. a solution. You, we could go federal personhood right. or nothing. You know, if you want to be really pure, mm -hmm. then that's what you would do. So by implication, you're not leaving anybody out. I mean, it could be never ending. And there's not an example anywhere in the world where this is the way protection was achieved. 
you know, was always achieved by some kind of abortion ban. Um, you know, in Michigan, no exceptions. There was a ban uh, for a, a quick fetus, you know, beginning in the, um, I think around 1855, no rape exception. And then in 1931, they passed a, a better bill that was earlier. Um, and so, you know, th this is why I support heartbeat. I But no exceptions, because as soon as you allow the exceptions, you're violating equal protection of the laws that, you know, right. no state shall deny a person uh, equal protection of laws and also no state shall deprive a person of their right to life without due process. There's no semblance of due process with this. Um, and you open the door that all you have to do is say rape. You know, secret passwords say rape and you can right. go on in. We know Norma McCorvey Jane Road was told by her lawyers to say that she was raped, to lie and say she was gang raped. Uh, and so that was founded on the lie of rape. Well, and that's um, what, you know, they try to they try to put you in a corner by using the, you know, one percent, which is the ones that are conceived in rape babies that are conceived in rape to put you in a corner as an extremist and a hater. Uh, and get you on the defensive. And I usually say, well, you know, I don't support abortion in the case of rape. But if I did, would you also support banning all the other abortions? And of course, they say, well, no. So it's really about all the 99%, right? Really. I Except mean, there, I mean, there are people in the middle in the United States who would. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but once you educate them, I find it's very easy to change their minds. We have a five-state study that was commissioned by Right to Life of Michigan, Georgia Right to Life, and Personhood. And it showed that uh, in a one-hour interactive online study, we could dramatically change people's opinion on this issue. Mm -hmm. uh, when people say, oh, we tried everything. We had to have a rape exception. Really? Did you bring in somebody who was conceived in rape to talk to these legislators? You know, if not, then you didn't try everything. Um, you know, I, I think too often they're more interested in protecting mediocre politicians. I explain that what happens, you know, I hear save the like save the 99 in exchange for one. That's like the, um, you know, the the burning bat burning building analogy, they say. Mm -hmm. And nobody goes back to save the one, first of all. But I explain what really happens is that you have these firefighters who go in for job interviews with leaders in the pro-life movement who are the fire chiefs. And these politicians, the firefighters, they go in and say, just so you know, I discriminate. You know, when I go into a burning building, this is totally premeditated. When I go into a burning building, I'm not going to save them all. You know, if there's a child in the midst of the fire and back, you know, they're going to be disfigured and they're going to be a horrible reminder to their parents, right? Isn't that what they always say? Horrible reminder. So I'm just not going to save them. I mean, what fire chief in their right mind would hire that firefighter? But that's exactly what happens in the pro-life movement. They get a political action committee endorsement. And then what they actually do is they rally all of the other firefighters who would who would never have said that in the first place, who had vowed to save them all. Then they convince them that, look, you know, I got a bunch of us who we won't go in and save any unless you give your blessing that we can leave that child behind and let it's them absolutely die. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know, here it created equal, and I've been outspoken on this for for many years. I supported the first uh, abortion ban in the state legislature in 2006, so I've been for all of it. I mean, we we want to totally end abortion. We want to abolish it. 
But I also believe there are measures we can take on the way to abolishing it altogether. We don't have to hold out for the all or nothing position. Uh, we want to we, we, we make that clear. That is our position that no child deserves to die. Mark. We make that clear that an abortion, all abortions are, are, are murder. But we've got to do things on the way to getting there. That's how we got where we were. That's how the left got us where we are. Abortion advocates have done it incrementally, and that's how we're going to have to roll it back. But without like exceptions. Without exceptions, you know, exactly. That's not. The, that's the one have... thing we cannot agree with, right? Yeah, we, and we only have exceptions. Here. Rebecca, let me let me give you let me give people some action points here. First of all, you want to go to Rebecca's website and book her either on a Zoom call or a Zoom meeting. Uh, presentation or as COVID hopefully is being, you know, we're not dealing with those. Hopefully you can pick, uh, invite her to come and speak at one of your events. You can go to Rebecca Kiesling.com and book her. Uh, and also folks, we've got our day of action coming up on June 13 and 14. Today's the national day of prayer. Well, we need prayer and action. So you can't just do the prayer. You've got to act. We're going to do the act part on June 13 and 14. You can go and sign up. It'll be here in Columbus. And what we do is we teach you pro-life apologetics. And then we take you out on the street. So those are your two action points today. Book Rebecca uh, on a speaking uh, opportunity that you might have. And also sign up for our day of action. So you've been listening to your radio activists here on the Mark Harrington Show. Folks, you can pick up the, the broadcast on American Family Radio, which I'm on 180 stations nationwide. That's on Sundays at 5.30 Central Time. Also on all my uh, the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, all your popular podcasting platforms as well. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.